1: Get in the know, nonstop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. But this is a guy who won the Blitnikoff Award when he was at Pittsburgh in 2021, and he now he goes to a Vikings offense. Two things, right? Okay, Adam Thielen now in Carolina, 16% target share he leaves behind. KJ Osborne was the number three wide receiver last year; he had 90 targets. Yes, they added Hawkinson midseason, but still, this is an interesting guy that obviously is going to see better coverage considering how much defensive coverage is going to shift to Justin Jefferson. So, nice landing spot, a good weapon for Kirk Cousins here. Matthew Berry rocking the bow tie there.
0: Is that new? I don't remember that as an ESPN Matthew Berry staple. I think it is
1: new. What was that show from Declan
0: uh, that was, was
2: It was uh, like Pro Football Talks, or like their networks, their fantasy football specific show. So okay. he was he was like on with two other guys. They were talking about all the draft impact players that are going to have effect on fantasy football classes this year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, all right.
1: Congrats to Matthew Barry for getting paid by NBC enough to wear <laughs> expensive bow ties. Now, welcome in here. A Monday episode, sort of a. a the, the aftermath of draft weekend here on Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment, where we just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. The show is presented by our friends at TCL, now an official partner of the NFL and Purple Daily, two of the biggest football brands in America, the NFL and Purple Daily.
0: Congratulations, TCL! <laughs> <You know. laughs>
1: yeah, Congrats. congratulations
0: to you. Well, it's a coup.
1: You're you're honored <laughs> to be part of Purple Daily. No matter what you watch, TCL has award-winning TVs for any budget, any space, all with stunning picture quality. And TCL makes more than just TVs. They offer mobile products, audio devices, home appliances. TCL brings you joy and simplicity through innovative technology. Learn more at tcl.com. So we're going to get into our biggest takeaways from draft weekend here in just a moment. But um, just another thank you to those of you who either showed up in person for the draft party, the Surly Park Tavern draft party on Thursday night, or if you were one of the many people, over 55,000 people that watched the stream on the YouTube channel, we just can't say how much we appreciate you enough. So I know we all had a blast on Thursday night. We were all kind of dragging on on Friday and Saturday, but I don't know, I'll speak for myself. I am recharged and ready. This is like the off-season now. Now it's yep. we're going to get the schedule release, but for us... This show never sleeps, man. Three hundred sixty-five days a year, we just want to. We put this reminder out when the season, the actual season ended, because that's when a lot of people are. Ah, the Viking season's over. No, no, no. (laughs) January through the draft is maybe the most exciting time. It's team building time. But now that they've crafted their roster, we've got the schedule coming out next week. We've got ten different off-season practices happening in May and June, and uh, we were all texting and emailing yesterday. We have a bunch of fun theme weeks planned from now until training camp that will sort of unveil one by one. So we are pumped for, I guess, phase two of the offseason here
0: starting today. And May starts um, the, the OTAs, the rookie minicamp, which is right around the corner, the mandatory oh, minicamp, when if yes. guys don't show up, all hell breaks loose. Football. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing, too, is don't forget, and I, I feel like it's more uh, probably the case this year than it has been previously, but with the way things are going, the roster is a is a whip. It is a work in progress. Oh, because Dalvin Cook, we still don't know. Daniil, we don't know. Zedarius, we don't know. There's some big names there, so yes. it, it's a very interesting. We're about to embark on on what's going to be, I think, a continued evolution of where things go, including the Kirk contractual situation. Yes, and we we might touch on some of this stuff in in
1: today's episode. We're going to dive even deeper throughout the week. On some of the things, basically, you know, what next now that the draft is over. But let's go around the room here. I want to lead you guys off with the biggest takeaway from the weekend. And I know they drafted a quarterback. I know there's some really, there's actually some really interesting undrafted free agent signings that we can get to later on today, too. But my biggest takeaway goes back to Thursday night. I love the Jordan Addison draft pick. And the more I consume throughout the weekend, like I spent, I spent time listening to Steve Smith on the Underdog Fantasy podcast yesterday. Steve Smith is mm-hmm. one of the best wide receiver breakdown guys. First Great. of all, he was one of the best receivers in the league. But his ability to kind of in advance tell you this guy's a dude, this guy's not, and he's all in on Jordan Addison. He called Jordan Addison a bona fide number one wide receiver. <laughs> so the Vikings, if, if that's true, the Vikings, he said he's a plug-and-play guy yesterday. He would come in and just be an excellent wide receiver yesterday. And he said USC actually misused him, which is why he might've fallen a little bit in the draft. And uh, he didn't really get into all the specifics, but basically if my statistical research is correct, USC targeted Jordan Addison 60% of the time within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. So a lot of short stuff, a lot of design screens, just really short behind the line of scrimmage or five yards out, 10 yards out. But his craft is route running. It's getting out in the intermediate. He's not necessarily the deep burner, but his route running makes him a guy that can get open 20, 30 yards down the field. So can Kevin O'Connell tap into what he's actually great at and not just sort of lazily target him You know, five yards off the line of scrimmage? So I guess Jordan Addison remains, to me, the biggest highlight of the weekend.
0: Don't forget, too, that um, that there is no question, part of the reason in, what, 2021 now, that uh, Justin Jefferson fell was because in college his last year, LSU had used him almost exclusively in the slot. Yeah. And amazingly enough, a lot of teams said, well, he's a slot guy. And they're like, no, 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 he is a slot guy in college, but he, he can play more. So if that's the case with Jordan, I say kudos to the Vikings for, again, exploiting the fact that they see more than what you simply see on film too so like that that's where you create i I think that's where scouting and projections become important because yes the draft can be a crapshoot we don't know I, i mean there's tons of variables that we don't really know until the guy's actually on your team and playing in this league but that being said like those are the between the margins things i think that potentially can make for a good scouting department and not and it was Rick who took Jefferson and he sort of took him cuz he fell but nonetheless Justin Jefferson probably goes within at least I would say the top 2 receivers in that class if LSU had used him like the Vikings do.
1: Yeah, and think about this, if I were to say okay, blind resume test or blind uh uh yeah, well let's call it a resume test. If I were to say hey, the Vikings are going to get a guy who's a little undersized He's not the fastest guy. He's not the most, his his relative athletic score doesn't blow you away. His 40 time doesn't blow you away. Mm-hmm. But he is a magician as a route runner. He's an artist as a route runner. And you can line him up in the outside or in the slot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds a lot like Adam Thielen five years ago, doesn't it? Or Stefan Diggs now and five years ago. So you know, could it be that if this thing pans out, the Vikings, just like they did with Justin Jefferson replacing Stefan Diggs, that they just replaced Adam Thielen with Adam Thielen, but in his prime or before his prime, right? Yeah. And now all of a sudden, KJ yes. Osborne's back where he should be, which is a really good solid number three wide receiver. And maybe the biggest difference here, Kyle Rudolph was always a good pass-catching tight end until the last few years, but I think this version of TJ Hawkinson is better than anything Kyle Rudolph was with the Minnesota Vikings, so... Build that car, man. Give Kevin O'Connell. And Kevin O'Connell, some of those behind-the-scenes videos that you pointed out on the YouTube channel, Kevin
0: O'Connell was saying, you stuck
1: to the plan. You stuck to the plan. And Quasey was like, I know, I know. We took it
0: down to the (laughs) shot. Yeah, you sure did, O'Connell said. It's like, oh, you just hate the damn guy.
1: KOC wanted a great wide receiver. Unless, and I'm sure they had discussions about if we can go get the quarterback that we like, and then when it became obvious, they couldn't. yeah, The KOC plan was get me. A bonafide number one, number two wide receiver to put next to Jefferson, and Quasi was probably like, "Well, but like, what if we could pick up a you know, like this an just, extra third yeah. round pick if we Quasey trade back to a few go spots? play
0: Quazy got got <laughs> to go in his in his trade back sandbox. Okay, so I think that they both did absolutely fine. Like as yeah. soon as that pick was done, it's like Trader right, quasi going, "But it's
2: coming on, come on home." What is that? You know, it's my ring light. I'm just making an analogy of like, Quacey, you've been playing in the sandbox. Oh. Now it's time to come inside. The street light's on. The pick has to come oh, in. It's Jordan like Addison, it. okay? Come on I in was now. Say, what,
1: Look what at the production on this goal? show yeah. right now. Declan with
2: flashing ring lights in front of him. What is it like a disco point. ball? It just, yeah. It, this, was, this was me at Park Tavern, I think, by the end of the night. Just, just going nuts. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I think it was mm-hmm. the entire crowd. Yeah, not just you. <laughs> people, people, uh, People commenting the other night, like, are those
1: guys a little buzzed? Yes. yes. And it was fantastic.
0: <laughs> what gave it away? The yeah. 18 pictures Chris yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ron had. The right three behind bathroom our breaks I had to look? take
2: during the course of the four hour radio show. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Oh, my God.
0: All right. Uh, Joe, what is your biggest takeaway? My biggest takeaway is I feel like this draft had um, pr- uh, probably slightly more continuity because, you know, Quazy got the job last time right after. The season ended in 2000 and what, um, and O'Connell was new as well. And so I felt like the first draft was a little bit more a quasi production. I think that this one had a more of a, as I said, continuity between KOC and Quazi. But here's what I find intriguing, okay? So O'Connell is a, no question about it, offensive first coach. And definitely, I'm sure if he had his druthers, would target offensive positions. It's interesting to note, though, if you consider two drafts to be any sort of trends and to read into them, Um, 2021, or I'm sorry, 2022 draft, the Vikings, with five of their first six picks, took defensive players. Now, in the end, they took five and five, but five of those first six picks were used on defense, including the trade back for Seen, and they took him at 32, gave up 12 to Detroit. In this draft... They had, what, six picks. And after taking Jordan Addison with the first pick, the next three picks, defense. Mm -hmm. So, like, while it might seem that, and he did, O'Connell got his guy, Brian Flores still got a lot of help here. And here's what I find to be intriguing about this. And I'm going to combine this with the 22 and 23 drafts, okay? You're essentially giving Brian Flores, in, in my opinion... Um, the 2022 and 23 defensive draft picks, the first portions as rookies. This is to say, I don't think that the 2022 draft class was developed correctly on the defensive side of the football.
1: Yeah,
0: and now, and that was two cornerbacks being taken in relatively early rounds. Now you've got Makai Blackman, Jay Ward, and then a defensive tackle. And so I find it interesting that an offensive minded coach um, still has the wherewithal and his franchise does as well with the GM to load up on defense. So like this whole thing that, well, the Vikings are going to be terrible again. And we, one, we don't know that, but two, they are definitely addressing it. And this is the way to do that when you don't have just a boatload of cap room, right. And in, you know, to your credit, You go out and sign Byron Murphy Jr., the cornerback away from the Cardinals, which I think is a very solid move. But you you can't go out and just load up on veteran defensive players. When you're making five of your first six picks on the defensive side of the ball in 2022, and then you come back and three of your first four in 23 are on the defensive side of the ball, this is how you find guys and improve defensively. So I would say my takeaway is, the Vikings are in no way, shape, or form ignoring defense, and know that there's massive personnel improvements, not just coaching, necessary on that side of the ball.
1: Oh, so, how do you guys feel then about with these defensive players uh, the the three the, the the three main ones? So they drafted uh, Blackman, Ward, and Roy. Yep, and. And then on the other side of the ball, uh, Jaron Hall, it was three running backs. or it was three offense players, running back, Ray receiver, McBride. and quarterback. Yep. yep. So of the three defensive players that they drafted, and again, we will talk about a couple of the undrafted guys here later today too, but how do you feel that some of the mock draft community is saying, A, they, they reached on maybe all three of these guys, for sure two of them. You can make an argument they reached on versus like the consensus boards and stuff. Right. And also the Vikings had one of the lowest collective relative athletic scores. If you add up like all the the relative athletic scores, they drafted guys that weren't necessarily supreme athletes, but guys that were maybe popping on tape more.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How do you feel about those two criticisms?
2: Dex, go ahead. So I, what I really like about the class in general, too, just my, my main takeaway, and it, and it dovetails into this as well, is I think this draft class doesn't have a lot of pressure on it, but I, I think that's a good thing, and I'll explain why. So starting with at least Addison, he's stepping into an offense that he's going to be basically third fiddle on. Like, that's, I think that's the floor. If he can be third fiddle in an offense that has Jefferson, Hawkinson as your two top receiving targets, then Addison is your third weapon, which is great, right? He's not being asked to be a number one guy, which is phenomenal to him. It's not, it's not a lot of pressure filled. He can kind of ease his way into this offense, and if he becomes a number one guy, well, now you have two absolute stud wide receivers in Jefferson and Addison. On the defensive players, Blackman, Ward, and then... um is it Jacqueline Roy, the nose tackle? I believe it's pronounced Jacqueline Roy. Jaqueline I've heard Roy. It, I've heard it pronounced Jacqueline Roy, Jacqueline Roy,
1: and then I heard one of the national... I can't remember who it was. Just, like, went really fast
2: through the first name because no, no, no. he didn't know how to
1: pronounce it. J-Roy. <laughs>
2: Jicklin Roy. But I believe it's so j, it's like j- like Qu- Ryan Ryan yeah. He's not a member of uh, the Succession family, which I love uh, as the Roy family from what I know. But uh, Blackman, Ward, and Roy are three defensive players that they had to fill positions on, right? Like cornerback, safety, nose tackle. They lost Dalvin Alvin Tomlinson. They need someone in the interior. They need as many flyers and as many bodies, basically, on the cornerback and the defensive backside. Mm Because they just do not know what they have yet in Andrew Booth and Caleb Evans. They're going to ask those guys to play up to a position that they've never experienced in the NFL with next to no limited snaps. And some of these guys are just going to have to emerge. So is it likely that Blackman and Evans and Booth, all those guys become really good, solid starting cornerbacks? Probably not, but one of them will. So I, I think the pressure and just having the bodies in here on this draft class, and same with Hall and McBride, that they're not being asked, none of these picks are being asked to step in immediately and be day one starters at their position. And I mm-hmm. think that's actually a good thing for this draft class to combine it also with Judge's point of last year's draft class.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love what you said about, okay, we basically have one known commodity at cornerback right now, and it's Byron Murphy. And I would argue he hasn't even lived up to his right. second round draft status with the Cardinals. But there's, there's more to give, and he's kind of a question mark In some ways, too. He's going to be a starter because, you know, you just paid him in free agency. But can two other guys from that group emerge? And on Jay Ward, he's the LSU, sometimes classified as a safety, sometimes classified as a cornerback. Other times, he's just a hybrid defensive back. You don't even know how he's going to be used yet, but you know that he fits that jack-of-all-trades profile that Brian Flores loves. This dude played last year for LSU. 178 snaps as an outside corner. 230 snaps in the slot, 108 snaps in the box as a safety, and then 104 snaps at free safety. So he's literally, he's, or you could even say like in the box, he's kind of a hybrid linebacker. So he just, he's a guy that you can put, now I don't know if you're going to feel comfortable putting him in all those different positions in the NFL, but but a couple of the scouting reports I read said, listen, worst case scenario. So he's kind of a leader heartbeat guy for LSU and he, and he can move all over the field in the NFL worst case scenario, he's a special teams ace and you just replace Chris Boyd, right? So I love it. In fact, uh, I did pull up, if you guys are interested, mm-hmm. the NFL.com scouting reports on a couple of these football. guys. Okay. If you want to hear about their pros and cons, their football pros and cons. For sure. Yeah. Let's start with Jaqueline Roy. The interior defensive lineman from LSU, who, by the way, by the way, one of the better interior pressure guys in college football. I believe he had about sixty pressures over the last two years from the interior mm-hmm. as a six foot three, three hundred five pound defensive lineman. His strengths, he can play unusually high snap counts for interior defensive linemen. First step and first hands are quick. Gains instant arm extension with powerful punch. Oh. Football,
2: all
1: right. Mm-hmm. Keeps eyes peeled into backfield for the football slide quickness to slap and slip around the block. Oh. Football. Oh man, that's right. They said that about Judd too in junior yeah, high football. A slippery, what's the time. slippery. Mm-hmm. Lateral agility bolsters tackle range. Relentless effort. Charges outside edge to set up inside rush counter. Clubs aside, single blockers as a power rusher. Football. All right. What about the bad though with Jaquan Roy? Below average lower body bend. Ditto. Can't consistently anchor as deeply as teams might like. Will give ground to drive blockers with leverage. Oof. Football. Okay, I'll do that. Needs to play with inside hands to protect his frame. Way too upright with his swim counters. Football. Swim counters.
0: Yeah, he sounded like Watch a uh, he sounded like a guy that Flores probably thinks he can fix a lot, but I think he is a developmental type of, of depth roster guy in twenty three.
2: Yeah. So are they That's making a swimming analogy like, when they say swim counters? Like is that a, is that analogy to swimming, or are they saying like he's how he like, like goes a sw- around? Like a,
0: Swim moves, swim counters? Very curious. So when
1: he when his swim move gets
0: countered, he's way too upright? Mm. So there's like know, a what? breath
2: stroke in there? Or is it like a back? That's where I'm just trying to figure out.
0: What are we working it, it, with? It's here? more of I'm a sure. project thing, my man. <laughs> it's more of a project thing. It's going to have to be work done. there will be a work in progress.
1: Uh, uh, Makai Blackman, by the way, could be a hidden treasure here. It kind you know, of depends. Some of the measurables maybe didn't stack up, and that's why he fell. He had the second highest coverage grade, according to PFF, of any drafted cornerback last year. Devin Witherspoon was the only cornerback among the drafted college cornerbacks that had a higher PFF grade. He had only two missed tackles all year, which is insane. Like the guy played a full schedule for USC, had two missed tackles all year, and he doesn't avoid tackling. We're not talking about a physicality. Like a Deion Sanders situation here.
0: He's got some physicality to him.
1: Now, if he turned into Deion Sanders, I would be fine with it. But, yes, he has physicality to him. And then in man coverage, Makai Blackman last year, he was targeted only 18 times in man coverage. Now, I don't know. May- maybe they were running more zone scheme. That's a question for Thor. But in the 18 times he was co- uh, he was targeted in man coverage, only four completions out of 18, nine yards after the catch. So you're Flores. You're looking for versatility, toughness, guys who can hold up in man coverage. Guys who can tackle on an island, right? Mackay mm-hmm. Blackman fits that category.
0: See that, and so here's here's the thing about what it's pretty clear, at least to me, in, in this draft that the Vikings' draft philosophy has become. Because first of all, I don't believe for one second that like Quazy is is saying I got to draft this guy, I got to draft that guy. He's got experts there, right? Like he's the guy who sort of, who tries to trade back and maximize the value of said picks which he definitely is doing. That That's him. But as far as the actual selections, and this is why Donatel, like, you know, the 2022 draft class might be dicey. We don't know. Because if Ed was the guy, let's just say, in retrospect, I don't trust Ed. But with Flores, he was definitely dictating that crazy when he did make the picks, was drafting guys he liked and that are going to fit in. Which is why I'm curious if if uh, Blackman and Ward at the corners are going to have an edge on Evans and Booth because those weren't necessarily Brian Flores' guys. Like, there's a lot of interesting things here. But I do think what we're seeing is a definite GM working the draft board and the draft system, Uh, but your your coaches are having a very strong, which they should, influence. And, you know, of all the things that we criticize and try and, and first guess here, I think the draft, just across all sports, might be the toughest. Um, and, the and Eagles he, get an A plus. Well, and you know, our guy, <laughs> okay. Thor, our guy Thor, who we're going to talk to on Tuesday, gave him a D plus. I know. Like he hated their draft. Um, so it's very Negative. interesting here. Well, I just don't. Hater. I just don't know because we don't know enough about what the skills are going to be, how they translate, what guys are going to be like once they they get coached up. I will say on Addison. To me, it's a huge thing. Assuming he is telling the complete truth here, that he considers, you know, his route running to be an art. Like that's a, his blank canvas. Because if that's the case, that's enormous. Because you can have—I mean, we've seen this, you guys. You can have all the skill in the bleeping world. You can be a phenomenal. Your raz can be off the raz chart. And you Cordero can, Patterson, man. It, yeah, and you can jump higher than anybody. But if you can't operate within the confines of the schemes, that creates problems.
1: and I'm really excited to do the Thor episode tomorrow. And today on the all-new Purple Daily on Draft, mm. conflicting strong opinions between Tyler Fornes, who's been stumping for Jaron Hall to be a Vikings quarterback for, like, two years. He's been, yep. he's been texting us about it. Yep. And then Thor is out on He's not out on Jaren Hall, but he, he doesn't think Jaron Hall has any real chance to be, like, a Kirk Cousins successor. Right. Those guys disagree on this. Declan's going to be the ringleader, so find that episode today. But I think when you're trying to grade out, you know, this team got an A or this team got a B or this team got a D and the Vikings are not really widely considered a team that got an A or a B in this draft. There's a lot of people that are kind of like, ah, I feel like they might have reached for Mikai Blackman, etc. You're mostly going off of consensus big boards, right? Here's where 500 mock drafts had this player valued at mm-hmm. or here's where PFF had this player valued at, right? Mm-hmm. But if the Minnesota Vikings had... Jordan Addison as the eighth best player on their board, or they had this uh Dwayne McBride, like they said, as a starting caliber running back and they wind up getting him in the seventh round. Well, that's great then. If based on based on their board, if they feel like, hey, Makai Blackman is a starting cornerback, can't believe he's still here. Wow, let's take him, right? Then it then it's a, then it's an A or a B for the Vikings. And we really can't grade these until two thousand twenty five when you find out. Right. But 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 the grades are based on process. Did you draft premium positions, positions that you need? Did you reach too far according to the consensus big boards, right? But, like, who knows? We don't know what the Vikings' big board looked like. They're, they're top 500 players. So um, one thing I do like, they, they did pick up a fifth-round pick for 2024. Mm-hmm. So I think they now are back to having, depending on how the Jalen Rager comp pick works out, it's either a fourth or a fifth. I believe they're back to having seven draft picks for 2024. I have to look that up, yeah. So, and then obviously there's a whole, I think we'll probably do a deeper quarterback conversation at some point, maybe tomorrow or, or Wednesday, because they they ultimately didn't find an ironclad successor to Kirk Cousins. Kwasi had some interesting things to say about kind of where they stand with Cousins, but that's probably worth a deeper full episode at some point here.
0: Their fewest picks since, uh believe the Believe it or not, two thousand nine.
1: Really interesting.
0: Their fewest picks. I think they had five in two thousand nine. B- because okay. you know, when Childress controlled the fifty-three man roster, he didn't sweat the picks like Rick did. Mm-hmm. But once Rick got control, all bets Rick were Rick off. wasn't dipping we below 15. about eight picks. No, 10 picks, God, yeah. no. Eight was eight was a travesty to Rick. So yeah, it, it's an interest. Yeah, the thing that I think is important though to keep in mind here is. The fact that this team did use its second round pick, as we've talked about, on T.J. Hawkinson, Mm -hmm. which is a hell of a pick. Yeah. So, like, for all all that say, well, they didn't have a second round pick. It's like, well, yeah, they didn't, and that's not the greatest thing. Uh, But that trade, you would go back and make every single time. You could argue, though, that yeah,
1: but a couple years before that, they drafted a combined, you know, twenty eight players or something, and only like four are relevant starters for you. So maybe maybe if you would have found a tight end or something else, you wouldn't have to trade Irf a second Smith round Jr. pick. Yeah. Like if, like if Irv Smith Jr. had panned out, then you wouldn't have to trade a second but, round pick for TJ Hawkinson. But that's not Quasi's fault.
0: Well, right. And wouldn't, wouldn't that actually make the case for it being smart to move a second round pick for a known commodity? Yeah, as, I'm, fi- opposed, I'm fine with uh, it. As opposed to a flyer, which you don't guess- know. What I'm saying is the damage that Rick did with a...
1: It's funny because Rick had a couple of the best picks in recent Vikings history in Christian Derrissaw and Justin Jefferson, but then was just atrocious with almost all the other picks. That if he had done a better job building out volume of starting caliber players... He became atrocious, you're right. It's like the Twins. Hey, the Twins got Pablo Lopez via trade. Yeah, but they gave up a guy who's hitting 440 right now and leading the league in Luis Arias because they couldn't develop their own pitching. So, I'm just saying. I'm not like... I hear you. Full on praising the organization for being. No, no, to no, up.
0: no. But I, but I'm saying if this is the philosophy now, like if this is how, there are some things that Kwesi does. I mean, the constant trading back can can become like, uh, um, fingernails on a chalkboard. Mm-hmm. But but if you're also going to take a second round pick, uh, keep in mind, what a year before or two years before the Hawkinson trade, it was Rick Spielman who sent a fourth round pick. To the Jets for tight end Chris Harnden, who was on a milk carton like a week into his tenure right, here. I about that. Hawkinson, I think, caught eight of eight passes in his first game against Washington. Something like five days after being acquired. So I'm just saying, if they're, if the philosophy is going to be, if we can solve a need by getting a known, especially a known young player, then the draft pick's probably worth it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I. Yes. I like. Yeah, i like I'm defending the, the Vikings. I like the process under Kwesi. At some point, young players that he's drafting have to actually pan out. Yes. And and this is the year where you have to start seeing a Lewis Seen step forward or an Andrew Booth or some of these rookies. Um, we're going to put Declan through a character test here in just a second. I don't know if Declan knows what I'm talking about, but we're going to put him through a the, the character test that the Vikings put Jaron Hall through. Okay. He has no just, clue because his eyes are darting Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay. So be he, good.
0: Thinks he thinks he's about to get busted. You can tell.
1: I do have a running back question for you guys, but let's first shout out our friends at Livia here. If look, The summer months are coming here. If you want to look like a rock star in a bathing suit, all right, or if you just want to get healthier in general, Livia is here to help you lose weight.
0: And they will do exactly that, as I've been saying, for about a week now. They are, I mean, look at the guy on the left, look at the guy on the right, and you tell me, who is your first-round draft pick in weight loss? In fact, you know what? I'm going to call it weight control because it's not a diet, it's not a fad, it is a lifestyle change. It's going to help you drop the pounds and then continue to keep the pounds off. Got, got a note from a guy a couple of days ago who had asked me a few months back, Judge, should I sign up? Do you really believe in, in this? And I said, absolutely. He just uh, sent me an email a couple days ago, down 28, nearly 30 pounds now. He said it works. I would suggest it to anybody. And those are the type of notes I get from people well outside my scope who have joined and believe that this works because you know what it does. And right now, if you join, first three months are free. That's right. Three months free. 855-GO-LIVIA, livia.com, L-I-V-E-A.com. Join today and tell them that you want to be part of the Purple Daily family because that has worked for all of us. Livia.com.
1: We're happy to have Aquaside as part of the Purple Daily family as well for these summer months, Dex.
0: Yeah,
2: lakes are finally to thawed out there. I know it's windy out right now in the Twin Cities, but finally we're in, we're above freezing. The lakes have been to thawed. And do you know that, you know, when you're looking at that lake weed, what are you looking at? Do you know you could actually send in some of those weeds to our friends at Aquaside? There's submersed weeds. There's immersed weeds. There's floating weed. There's, of course, algae. And you can kind of figure out, what am I working with here? What, what type of RAS score do I have in my, own, in my own lake home and pond right now, okay? So you can go to Aquaside.com or KillTheWeeds.com, okay? There's a bunch of different uh, monikers you can get there. But regardless, our friends at Aquaside have helped remove that nasty lake and algae with their Aquaside pellets. Go to Aquaside.com. They're a local company here, too, in White Bear Lake in the Twin Cities. You can get these products anywhere in the U.S., too. Go to Aquaside.com to learn more. And, hey, Victor,
1: Ragnar, if you are watching or listening right now, Dennis Kirk has what you need for motorcycle season. Make sure your ride is ready with Dennis Kirk. Whether it's a Harley, Indian, Metro Cruiser, whatever it is, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com so you can ride more and wait less. Over 180,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets as well. Shipping is free for orders over $89. If you order by 8 p.m., they ship the same day. Everything you need for your ride at DennisKirk.com. Real quick on the uh, undrafted free agent front. So the Vikings signed 15 UDFAs, two of them, and there's there's a few more, too. There's actually a nose tackle that weighs like 345 pounds that they signed. That's kind of the profile that Thor kept saying. You need Thor a guy that, can that just, guy. just can take up space in the middle of this 3-4 scheme, a Vince yep. Wilfork type, right?
0: Yep, Gilbert Brown, baby.
1: So there's, uh, there's that guy that they brought in here. But then the other two really interesting ones, Andre Carter, edge rusher from Army. This dude is six foot seven, 265 pounds. And two years ago at Army, he tallied 14 and a half sacks in 12 games. His performance dropped off in the sack department last year and just kind of overall. And he tested poorly at the combine. But some people are saying that like the Army's conditioning protocol kind of maybe threw him off his, his regiment and schedule. I don't know. But it was this is too a dude. Good.
0: Well, dude, if. if, I mean, that's going to say it's got to be fantastic.
1: Yeah, I don't don't know. I just, I saw some of the. Well, but I think there's like football training and there's army training. And I think maybe he had to. I'll take the army guy. That's cool. But he, so, so he was going frequently in some of these mocks as like a third or fourth round pick. I'd even seen him as high as second and first rounds Mm -hmm. at the end of last season. Mm -hmm. So you just pick him up undrafted as a UDFA. And then the other one, maybe even more impressive, linebacker Ivan Pace from Cincinnati. Have you guys, like, followed this at all? So Ivan Pace, he led all of college football last year among linebackers in run stops. He had 50 stop tackles last year for Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. He had 46 pressures last year for Cincinnati. He basically averaged, like, four per game. He was one of the best pass rushing linebackers, one of the best tackling linebackers, and he was great in coverage as well. And they just find this dude. So he uh, he posted on his Instagram after the draft was over and he signed with the Vikings. He posted the uh, you know the the Viking sign, Ivan Pace, and he said, "Y'all done effed up to the other thirty one teams. They may have legitimately found a future starting linebacker as an undrafted free agent." So
0: it is interesting, cool, interesting. he didn't get drafted. That is very weird. Yes, um, I mean, just a seventh round, you know, a sixth or seventh round flyer type of pick, but it is weird.
1: Well, here's the—I'm just pulling up the the PFF here for a second. So the pros on Ivan Pace take on skills that are insane for a small linebacker. He's like a 235 pound linebacker, so size might be an issue. One of the best blitzers you'll ever see. Okay, Brian Flores. Can't get your hands on him in space. Lateral agility that's elite. Ideal sideline-to-sideline side range, which is opposite of what the Vikings have been getting from their old linebackers. Yep. Fastest linebacker on the GPS at the Senior Bowl. Sounds like exactly what they need, right? Now, the the bads, he's one of the smallest frames you'll see from a linebacker. Very limited in the roles he can execute in coverage. Not going to cover tight ends in man-to-man. Needs a head of steam to take on blocks. So, like if a if a guard gets out in space or a tackle and gets him he's pretty much screwed but it sounds like a pretty big home run UDFA if you ask
0: me well and that in that profile sounds like a guy who could who could make your roster based on special teams alone yes like that's what it sounds like cuz you want those guys flying around just reckless abandon yeah that <laughs> sounds and, and i i mean if he develops that's great Point but ball. let's go but well, that's the one thing I don't get sometimes is I don't understand that that and this is not a problem across the board, but I don't understand why the draft Knicks sometimes you it feels like you rarely read about like special teams.
1: Yeah, because you it's guys just kind make of a, of a bunch there. of
0: anonymous guys, but yeah, no, but I mean, it's because I, I think of all positions of all jobs, that job can sort of suck because I mean, basically, you just get whacked, you know, it's not simple and it's a pretty intense position but like when you see the the years that the Vikings have good special teams and good special teams players there's a definite edge that you don't see when guys who who think that they should be starting are playing special teams yeah
1: so yes and it, it and obviously you're not covering as many kickoffs as maybe once before in the NFL and but there's but there's punt coverage there's kickoff oh, coverage yeah. there's yeah there's there's, still- there's a handful of times a game where you need dudes running around right So, all right, this is for Declan here. Kevin Seifert had this nugget after the Vikings drafted Jaron Hall, the BYU quarterback. It's a choose-your-own-adventure. Okay. So the Vikings, this is from uh, the Vikings director of college scouting, Is it pronounced, Mike uh, Shiloton, 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 Mike. Mike, yeah, Mike Mike S. I call him
0: Mikey because we're so tight.
1: So at the combine, the Vikings showed Jaron Hall, a BYU play where I think it was like an interception that he threw. And the Vikings knew that the wide receiver ran the wrong route. So they knew this before. They didn't say it, but they they said, hey, Jaron, this interception that you threw here, what happened on that play, guy? It's pretty kind of a train wreck play here. What What happened? Would you, A, throw your wide receiver under the bus and make it clear, hey, that guy's a moron. He ran the wrong route. I would never throw a pass that bad. Or B, would you say nothing about the wide receiver running the wrong route and just own the interception yourself to a team that you're trying to get to draft you?
2: Uh,
0: I would probably own it. I would Wait. own it. So so let's say that we start <laughs> the show, and I have, because, I mean, this is a comparable that's happened, yep. and I have forgotten to unmute my mic, and mm-hmm. I start talking. Do you say, hold on a second, Judd, my fault, and and just say, or do you say, oh, jeez. Uh, I forgot another, to unmute Judd's I, mic. Yep. That's my fault. Say, or do you say, uh, typicals, oh, here we go again. Well, typically I
2: do mute your microphone because sometimes you're still making noises as I'm saying uh, we're about to go live. Sure. So that sure. is, that is saying, a thing like that I physically up, do. I so if Uh-oh. I. Jaren Hall's lashing yep. out right it, now. Yeah, it's getting so Usually <laughs> I have to tell you what route to run because <laughs> yeah. you don't know what route to run. You don't know what you're going to do. So now we're
0: getting the real that
2: If that is happening and I forget to unmute it, then that's on me. Because I didn't unmute your microphone. I'm not asking. Oh, I'm,
0: so it's conditionally. It's conditionally con, it, it's saying I'm saying, do it. you fall on the sword no matter what I do wrong? No, I do not.
1: Okay. That, no. okay not, I do not. Now we have our, now we have our answer. So Jaren Jared Hall chose option <laughs> B, which is, so all he was willing to say is, I have to make that play right. I have to be better on that play, is what he told the Vikings. And the the scouting director said, we were trying to give him a chance to say, the wide receiver was wrong, but he didn't. He didn't take the bait. It's like the hundred dollar bill on the back of the playbook in draft day. What's he gonna do? Is he gonna Sonny. lie? Sonny. Is he gonna throw someone under the bus? What's he gonna do? So that's all I need. I don't care about his measurables. He's, <laughs> do you care about? The he's, fact a fact that he's, he's, a, he's a hall of famer. He's a hall of famer in just my book. A
0: <laughs> developmental guy for probably two or three years. Do you care about any of that?
1: No, I think he's uh, I think he's he's a made man because he has character. So. Uh, One more quick thing, and then I do have a mock for you guys too, but do you think the drafting of Dwayne McBride, the running back who ran for 1,700 yards for UAB on 7.5 yards per carry, does that signal not just because of him but because Alex Madison and Ty Chandler and this guy? Is Dalvin Cook gone in a month?
0: I think he's he's gone, but I don't think it's because of this. I, I just think he's gone because... Um, I think the Vikings, again, I think where the Vikings originally went into s- severing ties with Cook, that they thought that they could probably get a, a higher draft pick. It turned out to be probably a fifth-round pick. Unfortunately, like the Dolphins, wh- who they talked to about this, I think the Dolphins might have said, well, wait, hold- wait, 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 wait. We're not going to take his contract. So, like, release him and we'll-, we'll sign him. Like, that contract, I mean, I think Dalvin Cook is overpaid for anyone to take him. Um. The more I looked at McBride and how he profiles, so he ran for a zillion yards, but he can't really block yet. He's got he's got some definite I- issues. I think he's a practice squad guy. And I think he's very much Ty Chandler, that type of guy. But I think Ty Chandler now is going to be, I, if we're looking for a guy to play behind Madison, I think it's Ty Chandler right Yeah, now.
1: an extra year in the system, yes. soaking
0: things in. Yes. I agree with that. But you have options I have one thing to say about Hall, though, because I've been giving this thought just quickly. You know what I think? So, yes, we we can debate Hall. And, you know, could Jaron Hall replace Kirk? No, no way developmental. And who knows? So That remains to be seen. But you know what I think is so intriguing about this pick? It's Kevin O'Connell. What can Kevin O'Connell do here? Like, to me, this is not about the kid. Because the kid might be good, he might suck. Who knows? He's a fifth-round flyer. Let's, you know, calling a spade a spade. Fifth-round picks are flyers. Hopefully, they develop a lot of them. Don't. But don't you guys think that this is actually like a, the first very interesting test of, of O'Connell? Who, by the way, I don't expect to fail here. But I don't know what the results are going to be. I think the interesting test is Kevin O'Connell mm-hmm. getting his hands on a kid with talent, but literally a piece of clay. Like this is what excites me about th- this pick. It's not the kid as much as it's the test of the coach who was brought here specifically in part to, to work with kids like this.
1: But I think we should have limited expectations here and that you're not drafting. J- I actually, I think Jaron Hall's really intriguing, but there's a reason why he was available in the fifth round. Mm-hmm. And so for, for, for that, I think, yeah, like, if he becomes a backup, that's probably your your main goal here. If he becomes something other than that, if he becomes a Russell Wilson or a Kirk Cousins, one of the rare guys in the middle rounds that becomes a franchise quarterback, awesome. So I am also curious to see what Kevin O'Connell can do with him. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bury Kevin O'Connell if no. Jaron Hall is off the team in two years because he just can't hack
0: it in the NFL. I guess I. I'm it would be nice curious. to see a higher profile ball of clay at some point. The sad thing with Kellen Mond was when, when he went off the tracks completely, it didn't surprise you, unfortunately. It's like, well, yeah, he had a coach. I mean, the poor kid played, what, three snaps against the Packers and got savaged? Yeah. And, the, and offensive,
1: the, coach, the head coach didn't care about him, and the offensive coordinator was in save-your-job-crisis mode, right? Right, right. So he's going to work with cousins. So yeah.
0: I'm far more curious now because – I think Hall is being put into an infrastructure in, in which he's got a fighting chance. And Kellen Mond probably stunk. That's not the point. The point is, did you do anything to help him? And the answer from that previous administration was absolutely not. Yeah. Okay, boys. I want a mock! mock.
1: That's right. <laughs> oh, oh that mock season ass. was over.
0: That one guy's so pissed right now. He's like, I thought that Bob. was done. <laughs> Bob's like, believe you guys.
1: Oh, no, because 2024 mock draft season is just beginning with the pro football focus way too early 2024 NFL mock draft. He has Caleb Williams going number one overall to the Arizona Cardinals via the Houston Texans, right? They have a Houston's pick. Whoa. So they're going to be out on Kyler Murray and in on Caleb Williams. And then the Arizona Cardinals, who also have the number two overall pick in this mock draft, take wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State. So Arizona just going wow. complete nuclear on their quarterback situation and they're yeah. getting the top wide receiver. Interesting. All right, I'm just going to scroll here and try to try to find the Vikings. It's always interesting where... 32 is my guess. <laughs> I'll start at 32 and go backwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I found them in the exact spot that we probably figure. 21st. Ooh, step back. Pardon me on the pronunciation here. I don't watch enough Texas Longhorns football. But with the 21st pick in the 2024 NFL draft, the Minnesota Vikings select out of the University of Texas quarterback, Quinn Ewers. Oh, wow. Same Quinn Ewers? Ewers?
0: Ewers? I want to mock! Mock!
1: So he's the. I, I do remember seeing him because he's got that unmistakable mullet. It's got kind of a weird hair situation, but I like it. He disappointed in his first season as a starter after being one of the highest rated quarterback recruits ever. He still flashed his ridiculous arm talent, had a big time, big throw rate, uh, sixth among power five quarterbacks in big time throw rate. Mm-hmm. The issue is his decision-making and accuracy. So, uh, yeah. So good luck with fixing those things. And maybe the Vikings will draft you. With the twenty-first pick in two thousand twenty-four,
0: I don't mean to stereotype here, but I, I just looked at the, at the picture. I I saw that too. I'm good with the big beard and mullet. I think I might know why the decision making <laughs> is poor. It's called <laughs> Thursday and Friday Night Club. I'm just going to go out on a limb Thursday. Right now. Thursday. Thursday. I think Thursday Thursday in Austin might be giving Quinn some issues.
1: Yeah. So, ah, there it is. That's the way-too-early 2024 Pro Football Focus. Who took Drake May? Whoa. Uh, Drake May fell to five, actually, where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers picked him up. Okay. So much of this is going to depend on are there quarterback needy teams drafting in the first, second, third, four spots, right?
0: Yes. I'm not sure Tampa Bay is going to fall to five, to be fair. They might Tampa be drafting one or two. I think Tampa Bay might be awful. That
1: might be how they are planning it as well.
0: So Yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with that.
1: So there you go. Uh, that mock presented by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated, like a great offensive line for your business. By the way, if you are a young business owner, if you're a next-generation business owner, maybe taking over from uh, like like a family business or if you're just a next-generation business leader high up at a company, Federated Insurance is here to help you. Um, you can find out which industries they support and specialize in at federatedinsurance.com. dot com. See if your industry fits, and it might be a great partnership for you. Federatedinsurance.com, dot com, where it's our business to protect yours. All right, so we're throwing each other under the bus a little more than J- than Jaren Hall is, and that's okay.
0: I love talking sometimes self
1: preservation like, is necessary. Jaren
0: Hall and I are one and the same, but that's old. what an idiot! <laughs>
1: Conditional, conditional character uh, among the three of us here on Purple Daily. (laughs) Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die.